0: On this week's episode, I totally make Lee Griffin eat
1: his own words. I am going to totally eat my words.
0: And the first time in podcasting history, Scott Boris is actually the one to bring an episode back on track. How did, how did, we, down.
2: Get, how did we get all the way to
0: how to moor your seaplane? <laughs> and in the first guest of the far aim podcast we invite northern ohio bird enthusiast ryan Eckel to help us continue our conversations about birds on the runway
3: the last seagull i hit was last spring and yeah (laughs) it damaged the flap of the airplane and yeah I, i was coming in for a landing and I started seeing the Seagulls like on my short finals start rising. So I'm like, oh, I'm about to do a go around. And it didn't matter that <laughs> I
1: committed to we do a go around that.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today to conclude the airspace series. Finally, putting it to bed with Class G airspace, Class Golf airspace. Uh, This one, this reg is short and sweet. Uh, It's the shortest thing we've ever covered as far as the reading part, which should be good because nobody likes the reading part anyway. um, This is going to cover 3-3-1, 3-3-2, 3-3-3, which should take a total of about five minutes. And uh, to help us, make 40-some-minute episode out of this, we have brought in Lake Erie Island flight legend Ryan Eccle. Ryan, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, thanks for having me today, guys.
0: Oh, yeah. Going to nail (laughs) it. It's
3: good to be here.
0: We're going to nail it. We'll start right off the bat. Uh, General, Class G airspace, uncontrolled in parentheses, is that portion of airspace that has not been designated as Class A, Class B, Class C, Class D, or Class E airspace. So basically, every airspace episode we've done so far, covering A through E, is um, wherever those aren't is just Class G. It's just kind of the leftover area
2: is a good way to think of it. Is it's the good airspace? Is that yours? Because you don't have to, you don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to worry about anything. Like it's good. You're good to go. Honestly, it's really as a as a pilot. I recommend that it's the airspace that you stay in most of the time. How often? You probably don't want to. You probably don't really want to leave it that often. I mean, if you you can go into Class E, I guess once in a while. But I would just try to stay in Class G because then you know you're good. How often do you leave Class G, Scott? Oh, almost never. Why would you? Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean. Did the professional pilots on the on the show agree with me,
0: or they have a We've different two, opinion. We've actually got fifty percent professional aviators uh, on the program today, oh. which is which is usually a, they're the minority.
2: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you guys feel the same way about Class G as I do, right?
1: Ryan, go ahead, jump in, man, if you want. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on
3: what you're up to and uh, what you're doing. But typically, I like to fly above, you know, 700 feet or 1,200 feet. Uh, so uh, I'll be leaving that yeah. G behind me. But yeah, no, I, mean, I get it. It, it. It's a lot of fun, you know, for smaller aircraft and, you know, just <laughs> hanging out and flying around. Why not? Scott,
0: Scott considers anything above 6,000 feet um, MSL. Uh, outer space, actually. So yeah, that's actually
2: <laughs> actually dangerous to go up that high. Just, <laughs> no. Not not so much because it's dangerous to be that high. It's just it's really just a waste of time to bother climbing up that high. I mean,
1: what's the? We point? have talked about that so that many is, times. Uh, this is it is you, dude. You gain two and a half percent of your true airspeed every thousand feet you climb. It's yeah. definitely worth your time. Right. But I don't go anywhere, Lee. <laughs> but for the majority of people, airplanes were designed to get somewhere faster than driving. Right. But for, for me, the majority they're not people really designed to
2: go from point A to point B. They're Scott designed- and
1: I mainly fly for the view, though.
0: So like once right. in a while, it's... Not for the paycheck. <laughs>
1: No,
2: yeah, nothing to do with paycheck. Just go up. Fly away. <laughs> it's not
1: even a paycheck. I mean, there's a lot of people who own a private, you know, an airplane and our well, uh, right. you know, Cherokee, yeah. something like that. This is true. That yeah, still yeah. matters. Everybody wants to fly super low and feel good about feeling like they're going as fast as they can. And <laughs> so they don't and want I, to climb. But the fact I of the matter, if you want to get far, any pr-
2: I guess it depends on how far far I'm going, you know? Okay, that
1: so we can go back to the example of Tiffin. I mean, I did. You know, somewhat of a comparable we had two one fifties departed from the same airport. Now you did depart a little bit behind me, I believe. Yeah, but you smoked me. You were behind. Well, I went yeah. a little bit further and we don't know exactly the distances, but I went a lot higher. How high did you yeah. go? How high did you do you remember? I don't know. Maybe maybe two thousand feet. And do you MSL? remember I think I went to like fifty five hundred, I wanna say?
2: Yeah, I might have gone to twenty five hundred, which is
1: so comparable aircraft more. performance that's no one fifties. And we're going, you know, it's kind of a similar course. I was going a little bit further. So wind could have played a little bit of a part because we were going a little bit of a different direction. Yeah, hardly. Well, yeah, hardly. I agree, yeah, but I'm yeah. just saying yeah. that that could have been a factor. No,
2: I mean, and you're I'm, right. It's, I'm, I'm, it's probably is more efficient.
1: Well, definitely the is. There's no question. Go higher. What's that? I said
2: 90% of, of the time it's probably more efficient to go higher. Tell
1: but if I'm going ten percent,
2: well, if I'm going five ten miles away, or if I'm just
1: up, well, it's relative. Around, so mean? how high? W- how high is the lowest you would fly for a let's call it a twenty mile? Yeah, twenty mile trip. Twenty mile trip. I you're flying over. I'd probably
2: go to two thousand feet.
1: So if I were to say you can. Let's fit, you know, fourteen hundred 1, feet. Fourteen
2: hundred AGL. That's fourteen hundred
1: yeah. feet AGL, right? So you only have to climb fourteen hundred feet. Yeah, that's like two two minutes. So two Ryan, minutes of climbing.
0: When you're not flying, because you similar to Lee, you fly the the hawkers, correct? Instead of the Leers?
1: That's correct. Yeah, the
0: Hawker. Yes. So, um, similar situation to Lee. You basically know what you're doing. You're, you're professional at this, unlike Scott and I. When when you are in a, like, a GA airplane, like, you're bringing up a Cessna or a Piper, how yeah. much weight do you put in to, like, the performance of, like, getting everything out of the airplane? Because obviously you're doing that at work professionally because you got costs and they're running a business and right. the boss wants it to be run efficiently, but, like, you're just out kicking around. Like Lake Erie Islands or something. How, how much are you putting into the, or doing a cross country to like you know, somewhere?
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, if I'm tooling around, my neighbor has a 150, like a 1959 150 straight tail, which I love. Um, you know, we cruise around that thing all the time. Uh, yeah, we'll take as much fuel as we can. You can kind of load that airplane. It's not like we're ever taking anything with us because we're not staying anywhere overnight. It's just a little day trip, you know, to this diner or that diner across Ohio. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not looking to save any money or anything. We're just <laughs> avoiding obstacles. So yeah, I mean, we are typically staying in that class G or class E airspace. There's no, no issues with that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, class E starts most, I mean, for lack of a better class, E starts at basically 700 feet.
3: Exactly. Most, I, most airports I, in Ohio that you're going to see yeah. class E right away at 700.
1: So most class, of the time kind of people trips. flying. What's that? Go ahead. I said, unless you're like
3: at a grass strip out, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere, which I mean, there's, there's plenty of those two out here in Ohio, but yeah, typically oh, yeah. you're going to, you're going to see it at 700 versus at 1200.
1: So I, would, would it be safe to say here in like the flatlands of Ohio, Northern Ohio, most of the time, unless you're just staying in the pattern, even if you're going to a, what I would consider a low cruising altitude of 2000, 2500 feet MSL, Mm-hmm. Which we just said is, you know, that's fourteen hundred to nineteen hundred AGL above ground level. that I would consider that a low cruising altitude. Isn't it safe to say if class E starts at seven hundred feet AGL, and most of these people are cruising at fourteen to nineteen hundred AGL, that they're in class E pretty much ninety percent of their flying career, even if they stay low and slow in a one fifty in a J three cub. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's and I, a lot of people don't make that distinction because when the weather is good, I always like to say you, you blur the lines. You don't really pay attention to what airspace you're in as long as the weather's good. Yeah. Between Class E and Class G.
0: When the weather's good, it's there's really no difference between the two airspaces. It doesn't really matter. Right. True. Exactly. So where?
1: Yeah.
2: I,
0: you got to basically go out west to get a bunch of Class G airspace up to t- even twelve hundred. Yeah. I was looking at the sectional chart on Sky Vector here. Um us just we got class G to twelve hundred.
2: Yeah, like Wake I, Man, I, I think. I have a question about that. I'm not really sure. The uh the,
1: Oh no Wake Man isn't
2: the, the magenta, ahead. the magenta fuzzy lines.
1: That Shaded are around, magenta, yeah.
2: Yeah. Does that that indicates that class G starts uh, class G goes up to seven hundred, right? Yep. Where it starts, yeah. And then, yeah,
3: it and then when, when
2: you're not when you're not inside those magenta fuzzy lines, it goes up to twelve hundred, right?
3: Correct. Correct.
2: Okay, that's what I thought.
3: Unless you're in any other, you know, outlining airspace,
0: but yeah,
2: I don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. So for <laughs>
0: so for reference, <laughs> if you got like a four or Garmin app, or you just go to skyvector.com to the. Uh, the sectional chart and type in KPCW that's going to put you, that's going to pinpoint you on uh, this area of the Lake Erie islands, which we always talk about. Um, And then there, you can see the magenta vignette or Vinay. If you're Vignette. Vignette. (laughs) Is it Vignette or Vinay?
3: I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't I tell just you. Say, I would just say the magenta,
2: fuzzy, yeah, the my, shaded
0: magenta is what I was. Yeah, so
3: yeah. I don't think that ever came up on any of my writings, So No, no, I, <laughs> that's yeah, true that, too. That, that's
0: the true I issue, didn't even but, realize it was an issue until Lee and I would have been disagreeing over it for a few episodes now. I, I always thought it was vignette, but.
3: Yeah, I'll have to ask some uh, some designated examiners around the area and see what they're going with. Yeah, for who uh, would be like an authoritative
0: <laughs> source on that? I don't even know who you'd uh, ask.
3: You know, a DPE. So, you know, I'm sure there's plenty. But even those, I I feel like would yeah, go you could back probably
1: get a couple DEs you know. that differ. Hold no, on, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys are talking about a word in the English language, and you have to go to a DPE to figure out how to pronounce it. <laughs> dictionary.com will tell us how I, to pronounce it.
3: From an aviation standpoint, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things in aviation that t- don't make sense outside of aviation.
1: So <laughs> all right, I'm dictionary.com.
0: <laughs> Is it gleam or glime for the uh, the test prep? <laughs> it's it's glime. It's it's, all
3: right. I'll I'll fight anybody Gleim? who says otherwise.
1: <laughs> i always heard gleam. Yeah it's it's glime. It's somebody's last name.
3: Really? Yeah, it's glime. It's because so the, they do tests for anything. They do a lot of stuff for outside aviation, like accountants use yeah. glime, like uh, books and stuff too. I mean, it's all rote memory kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, if you're studying for a test, um, that's that. Yeah, that, that's how I passed the the written test is glime material. Okay, so
1: I am going to totally eat my words because the way it's okay. pronounced here. The words, it says V-I-N dash Y-E-T for the pronunciation. So that sounds vignette. That sounds like vignette.
0: Uh, Was I right? This is going to be the second time I was right ever on this program.
1: It looks like it, but I'm I'm trying to...
0: We're on the 18th episode, and I've been right twice, which is, I don't know if a
1: good ratio or not. (laughs) Well, we haven't hashed out too many things yet. I got to make sure I'm spelling this right, because none of the examples really... Line up. I don't really care. I would say shade of magenta, anyways. But <laughs> yeah,
3: today so, I go with because I didn't even know those were words.
1: <laughs> no, I, they're only in the aim. I'd never seen them until you brought them up the other day. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, let's
0: go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. No, you to you to complete your thought. All right.
1: No, no. I'm gonna let it go.
0: All right. Sometimes that's the best. Right? which is VFR requirements, rules covering VFR flight have been adopted to assist the pilot in meeting the responsibility to see and avoid other aircraft. Minimum flight visibility and distance from clouds required for VFR flight are contained in 14 CFR section 91.155. This would be a good point, I think, to insert visibility requirements. Which we kind of dabbled in a little bit with Class E uh, last episode, but or two episodes ago. But I think this is a poignant. What are the visibility requirements in Class Gulf airspace? It's one mile and clear of clouds, right? What's that? That's correct.
1: correct? Right.
0: So it's, yeah. it's just clear clouds. It's, it's similar as like B? It's, yeah.
3: Yeah, just you're clear of them. Yeah, there's no foot requirements or anything like that. you
0: can that. be right up. You can have almost a almost wingtip in one, and as long as you can
3: now
2: do,
0: yeah, the, you can do
3: the
0: do the clouds have the right away?
3: Basically.
2: Because let's say I'm <laughs> flying along and a cloud pulls out in front of me and I hit the
0: cloud. Like whose fault is that? <laughs> That's clearly not my fault. <laughs> that is a but <laughs> that is a good point. I had never thought of that, Scott. Right. I feel like that's a pretty It's just your duty
3: to maintain clear of that cloud. So I mean ultimately
1: Well it is right, but
2: obviously I'm if I'm flying straight ahead and it pulls out in front of me, that's you know, that's
1: not what much it, I can do about that. When the cloud pulls out in front of you, you follow it all the way home and <laughs> just get all pissed you off, hold you your fight gun it. out,
0: <laughs> wave it in their face. So
1: would there be a difference if the cloud
0: <laughs> is approaching you from your left versus your right as far as what would have the right of way?
2: Yeah, because I guess the cloud on the right would have the right of way then. Correct. Cloud on the left would not have the right way. So only
1: follow the clouds that come from
0: the left. Right. I honestly I thought there was a bunch of garbage with class G visibility requirements.
3: No,
1: it's simple. That is the most simple. There is. There's a ton. There's a ton of them. What? What do you mean? What are the well, like what day, the, night, and altitudes.
3: Oh, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, if you're looking at above 10,000, you know, all that, so, and day, and night. But uh, yeah, no, it's the
1: most simple as far as day
3: below 10,000. It's mild clear clouds. And I've, yeah. I've taken students up just to show them, I'm like, hey, you guys want to go fly around and what's legal? And they're like, eh, not really. And I'm like, well, let's go yeah. check it out and take a see, you know, and like so, you're legal to go flying. This are you going to do it? And they're like, oh, absolutely
2: not. Like this is no. Terrifying. I mean, honestly, like, yeah. the best rule of thumb is if you see if there's clouds, you probably shouldn't be flying anyway.
3: It, it, yeah, low yeah, level clouds. I mean, that's just,
2: no. I mean, any clouds to... at any clouds at all.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Serious clouds. I don't touch that stuff at yeah. thirty thousand feet. <laughs>
2: no, no, like, like you know, I'm about what what thirty miles out of Cleveland or so, probably thirty. <laughs> 40 miles. I don't know. I don't really know what it is. But, veil
1: hit your airport.
3: I'd say
2: so. Yeah. So I'm just over 30 miles out of Cleveland.
1: Right. But, there you go. You know, if, now we're using it. If I,
2: hands. if I take off and I can't see the buildings in Cleveland, like you probably, probably really shouldn't be flying. You
1: know what I'm saying? Dangerous. right? I mean, but if you look at it that way though, I mean, there's so many hazy no, days kidding. in the I, summer. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Oh, I used I'm to, just saying I
2: used to fly in stuff that was, not even it was back when we were legal, flying all the but, time and
0: like had some skills left.
2: Yeah, yeah. But now I, I'm a I'm a strictly fair weather pilot now because I don't have to fly if I don't want to. So I probably should fly. But you have a pl- you
0: have a plane and fly decent compared to me now. I think.
2: Yeah, at least. But they- I I only fly when it's like really nice out.
0: Like I basically fly now to get insurance requirements because by the time I fly again, I need another insurance checkout to run rent the plane. So well, you need to you need to come up here and visit more often and just fly my plane. Well, yeah, I do when I'm up there in the summer. I'm not coming yeah. up there this this time of year. It's chilly. I can I can walk to my plane <laughs> in about thirty day seconds to day here. And I still don't fly very often. So let's pretend we're below ten thousand at night. What does it change to?
3: I think just three miles, and uh, the uh, five hundred below, thousand above, and two thousand horizontal, doesn't it? Bleak, you know,
1: I think it's I think it's a mile, and then the then the five one. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think
3: you're right. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah, I could pull it we're up We're doing here. a show. We I'm should not sure.
0: We look this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of, of course, yeah. We're
3: well, giving you people. guys the accurate. stuff. That's what I always tell yeah. students. I'm like. Hey, you know what? I'm not sure we're going to look it up together <laughs> because I'm not going to make myself, myself sound like an idiot in front of you, and then make you sound like an idiot and continue this train of idiots. So yeah, we'll look it up. All, and, uh,
0: all
1: we'll aviation, yeah, yeah, three <laughs> one
0: five two aviation idiot trains, and three one five podcast it's at night. Yeah,
1: nothing, nothing so wrong just with a little platform. Google search when you're an instructor.
3: <laughs> the same, same setup then.
1: So the safe answer, you're in doing an oral, like Ryan just said. Look it up. You know where to look it up. Your instructor should have gotten you that far. That's mm-hmm. always a say. Don't do it too much. Don't do it too much. Then I'll think you don't know anything. But yeah. for, you know, hey, some stuff but, you should know and they expect, you know, off the top of your head, but all this obscure stuff, you know, above 1200, but below 10,000 during the, well, whatever. Look, nowhere to it find that to information. Look
2: it up. My, I mean, my wife's doctor Google searches her symptoms when she goes in. So, I mean, <laughs> like, okay,
1: God. We I say that, but we're
0: going to get to a point.
1: Does she go to Toronto for checkups or what?
2: <laughs> no, no, it's like right in town here. I don't know. She's a younger, oh, female, younger female doctor. And she was like, she went in and just I forget what was going on. But her, her doctor's like, I don't know. And she looks over and her doctor's
0: Googling it on her phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say year years it's going to come uh, where well, the doctor is going to say, okay, I think you have this, like they've been doing for for hundreds of years, yeah. But, and then right. we, as customer patients, sure. are going to say back to them, okay, that's interesting that you think that. What does the algorithm say? What does the computer say? Because like that holds a lot more information right. than yeah. you know yeah. a human brain oh, can handle. Sure.
2: Oh, when I, when I go to the doctor, when I go to the doctor these days, I'm like. I have this like, cause I already looked <laughs> it already up. Self-diagnosed. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they love it when you do
2: that too, by the way.
3: Like, <laughs> yeah. That's their favorite thing.
2: <laughs> I, I have this and I need a prescription for this. <laughs>
1: okay. but yeah, no, nowhere to, nowhere to look it up in the aim or the FARs, uh, yeah, you know, kind of get out of jail free card.
3: That's your biggest tool to use in a check ride. I mean, absolutely. But like, like Lee said, don't use it constantly like hold on, hold on, no, I gotta see this. Yeah, just if you're if it's something obscure like this where it's like oh day, night, ten thousand below ten thousand above it, like you have those tools to go to and any examiner is gonna be like, Hey, all right, like he actually cares and looks it up and knows. Like,
2: but do. do
1: we agree though, Ryan, that they should know a mile and clear clouds in yeah. general for class Absolutely. g Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, If it's
2: if it's totally. nighttime and you're VFR, you probably yeah. shouldn't be flying in those kind of conditions.
3: It, God, no. Oh,
2: no. I mean, like, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's very smart. <laughs> I, don't, I
3: don't like flying VFR in five miles at night. No. Like, that's yeah, no. terrifying. Yes. No. no, it's... Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, like, also remember, Class G at night puts you back to the same cloud clearance and visibility requirements as Class E. Which... Right. At night. Class E at night and the day are the same.
3: Yeah.
1: But so even that, Basically, levels of playing field. Oh, three miles is, is low.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When it's, I was younger, true. like, in my mind, like, it was like, ah, who cares? I'll find the airport one way or another. But nowadays, I'm kind of like, I'm not going, <laughs> you know? Yeah.
3: Like You've already burned then, up eight so. of those nine lives. <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: back, <laughs> back then, it was like. I got my GPS, I know the heading, I know that, you know, mm-hmm. I can watch the distance from the airport. Like I'll find this airport, even if we got like half a mile visibility, you know, but now it's like, yeah. okay,
0: I'm not, I'm not going.
3: Yeah. A lot of hazardous yeah. attitudes going on right there. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> if, yeah. you're,
0: if you're listening to this and you're in like teens and twenties, like yeah. we totally from our mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. just, You'll go through life being a lot better if you just understand your. Even when you turn into your 30s, you're still kind of an idiot, but like not as much. So, general remember, life rule of thumb. I remember one time I was, <laughs> at,
2: I was at an airport and a thick layer of clouds at about maybe 100 or 200 feet, AGL moved in. And I was like, ah. Well, I don't want to get stuck here, so I'm just gonna fly home. I was just gonna stay like right above the tree line, fly home. The the owner of the airport came out and stopped me and made me leave the plane there. Like that was probably a you know, might have saved my probably life. Saved my
3: life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and that is the one way that, you know, wisdom can because can, you don't have it yet. We've all been there. Exactly. All those but, macho dude, attitudes and all the hazardous right. attitudes Ryan was talking about. Those well, are so Well, I was prevalent. flying
2: with somebody else, and they were in another plane. They were, we flew separately to the same airport, and he was like, "Well, time to go home. I'm just gonna follow the railroad tracks, stay about a hundred feet above the ground." And I'm like, yes. "All right, yeah, I'll do the same." And like, I don't know, Lee, <laughs> you probably remember this story, but somebody came oh, yeah. out and stopped. Somebody came out and stopped yeah. me, and they're like. If he wants to do it, let him go. But you're staying here. (laughs) Right. Well, and thank God we have people that are. He's a little more experienced than I am. I said he did. He made it back
1: fine, but he's a lot more experienced than I am. So. It only takes once, man. Exactly. One tower, one set of power lines, one tree, one bird. They're they're all over the place out there, too. When the weather gets crappy like that, flocks of seagulls. All that stuff. You don't think about that. You're like, oh, I just got to dodge towers and trees. No?
0: Yeah. The birds are yeah. flying lower than they normally do, too.
1: They, exactly. Right, and there's more of them with those types of conditions, like in the in the fall or the spring when it's exceptionally wet, and you got seagulls and the ducks and the geese and all that. Yeah, the last,
3: the last seagull I hit was last spring, and yeah. <laughs> it damaged yeah. the flak of the airplane, and yeah, I, I was coming in for a landing, and... I started seeing the seagulls like on my short final start rising, so I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to do a go around," and it didn't matter <laughs> that I committed to we do a go around. One just came right into the flap; it was terrible.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll so about flying. what time? Yeah, what? what it, are, hold on, what hold airplane. on, hold on, Scott. So, what airport? What airplane? What type of airplane? Rather,
3: it was and, a, uh, a you know PA twenty eight uh, uh-huh. one eighty one, an Archer. Uh
1: huh. Uh-huh. And, I and
3: was what going, airport? And it was going into. How long was uh,
1: it- how long was the runway at that airport? Let's go there. Uh,
3: the Port Clinton Airport, it was uh, the north south runway. So it was only like a, uh, you know, just 4,000 feet or just a little shy of 4,000.
1: Okay. Yeah. Pretty long runway by most yeah, GA standards. I,
3: exactly. I could have cleared the Seagull and still landed, you know, okay. no problem. They were on the short final. So,
1: okay. So, about how, uh, describe to me about what your height was when you initiated the go around. When, or I guess the the time period, give, just kind of give me a play-by-play with times and altitudes. I'm really yes. curious about your decision yeah. to execute a go-around. We just talked about this in the last episode. Yeah, so... Um, and Scott argued with me.
3: <laughs> it's probably well, early I mean, afternoon. I don't know. Never uh, do a go-around. 3 to 4 right. p.m.
1: Um, and, I don't even know the time of day, but the time from when you notice <laughs> the seagull to the time you actually. Oh, I, I,
3: I thought you wanted every specific I was There was about uh, 1,800 RPM going on. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I do get back on subject. So, no, I was coming in. It was uh, like a short, like I said, a short final. And, uh, you know, just getting ready to land. And obviously, I had was full flaps and a Piper Archer. And just a massive amount of seagulls sitting at the end of the runway. So I was like, okay, I'm going to see if they start clearing. Cause it, we've had this happen before too. You know, usually you can come down low enough and they start flying away. These guys were just kind of hanging out, staying on the runway, staying in the area of the airport. And I just get lower and lower. And then they start flying up. I'm probably, you know, a couple hundred feet, maybe a hundred feet left from, you know, touchdown and they start coming up. So I'm like, uh, I'm just going to add some power and maybe just land a little bit longer, which I typically do on a landing South at the Portland airport. And um, they just keep coming up with me. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go around. So I give the full power and they just keep flying up and they're, you know, keeping just as good a pace, if not better than me at this point. And one hits the flap of the airplane and put a dent in it, but you know, no issue. I was able to go around come back around and, and land. No issue.
1: Did, so from the time you noticed, okay. So from the time, so you were a hundred feet, like laterally or vertically from touchdown. You said a hundred feet from. So yeah, mean, I guess
3: from my sight picture. So yeah, maybe um,
1: laterally or vertically, though.
3: Probably vertically, oh. I would say maybe seventy feet from touching down. I, yeah, I, it, it's hard to say. I, I wasn't out there with a the measuring.
1: Well, I know, anything, but from but, the like from yeah. the threshold, where was your aiming point? In relationship to the Seagulls, I guess. It was beyond where the Seagulls were, right? Or no? I mean
3: they they were taking up the whole, like almost the first half of the runway. It was insane. Okay. <laughs> it was and insane. So your I aiming point
1: that. was beyond them or correct.
3: Yes. It was beyond them. And they just okay. you know, started coming up earlier than I thought and than I than I anticipated.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so from the time So you were 70 feet above ground level when you initiated – what about 70 feet when you initiated the go around. Correct, yeah. And so about what time did – like you notice they started flying or whatever. We're going to – when did you – I guess like, oh, this might be a little bit – so I'm going to add a little bit of power and land beyond them. I guess what is the elapsed time?
3: I guess basically when I saw the entire flock start lifting up as I'm still descending, I'm just like, oh, I probably should descend into this lifting – Flock of birds, right. you know.
1: Yeah.
3: At that point, I am just like, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to add power. Uh, I'm going to get the the lift from adding the power, and I'm going to go run. You know, it's it's an uncontrolled airport. I can do whatever I want to avoid these birds, and I maybe even still have enough runway to land. And at that right. point, I probably did. And I just was like, "No, I'm going to climb." And then after I hit, I'm just like, "Oh, I want to. You know, I'm not trying to force this thing on the ground. Everything's running fine. I can see. You know, it's a visible dent in the flap." you know, everything was fine. I just brought it back around and landed and no yeah. birds were there except a dead one on the runway.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we, so the con, the con conversation we had last episode or me, was it last episode guys or two episodes ago? Within the
0: last two. Uh, remember about the put in bay. Yeah. About all the geese. Yeah. It was like episode or three it's, yeah. or
1: four. <laughs> no, it was like last episode. Uh, it doesn't okay. matter. I don't anyway.
0: know. Well, well
3: Anyway, anyway it, Northern Ohio flying is going to involve geese and seagulls all the time. Yeah, <laughs> right. No matter what time it, of year, but it, it does get busier in the spring and the fall, I notice, for sure.
1: It's, it's, it's acknowledging, because it's all about the period of time. From the time you recognize the situation exists, yeah, you can right. make a small adjustment earlier on and pretty much you know, v- you know know nullify the outcome. Or if yeah. you wait, like, oh, maybe it'll be okay, maybe it'll be okay, maybe it'll be okay. Oh, no. And now I have to do something drastic to yeah. solve the same problem. That if you would have made an adjustment earlier, and from a conservative standpoint, we're all in our 30s. You know, we've learned so much from our flying career, maybe kill, almost killed ourselves several, several times <laughs> and got lucky enough to get out of it. Or somebody wiser than us told us a better way to do things. Yeah. We've gotten lucky in, in many senses. And now we're here, we're conservative in our old age execute the go around just do the go around don't worry about the expense in time and the expense in money just right. do the go around yeah, because like in your in case go-around. you ended up what's that say that scott
2: i wasn't what? down in the go around in the previous episodes i was just saying in a cessna 150 there's almost never a reason to do a go around because if you Yeah, but then we then painted a scenario where you probably should have done a go around. In that particular scenario, I'm just saying, like, even if you're going into a short field, if you're in a Cessna one fifty, like if you chop the power and drop 40 degrees of flaps, like if you if you were that high, there's almost never a scenario in a Cessna one fifty where you have to do a go around.
1: And I don't think anybody would ever disagree with you. But then we started talking about something, I think Rob brought it up, something coming out on the runway. Yeah. yeah well, yeah.
2: It. I mean, in that case, obviously you're going to have to go around. But
1: and that's where the kind of the geese and the whole conversation or went. And I, then it I was, would probably never do a go around.
2: Never do I'd a go probably, around. No, I. Obviously, I was kidding when I said that. But
1: oh, well, I take everything literally. I take everything oh, literally.
3: Because
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm I'm always literal.
2: I never like just say things to get a reaction out of you, Lee. I've never done no, that.
1: No, you don't. Oh. No,
2: I've I've never said I like got rethink that, our
1: whole relationships, guy. Right.
2: I've, I've never said like things that are totally counter to what every aviation expert would say just to get a reaction out of you. I wouldn't. Do I believe
0: you. Compare you said oh. that go-arounds were the gay marriage of aviation. Um, when when the conversation came, <laughs> yeah, <up>. basically, <laughs> I yeah, that was, yeah, I believe wow. that was uh,
2: like Scott's, re- <laughs> like I'm fine with it, like. Like, like, I'm fine with it. I don't care if somebody else wants to do it. I'm just not gonna do it myself. You know, like it's cool. Like, I'll even, I'll even go to your gay, gay wedding. Like, it's not, it's fine. Like, I'm. I'll uh, even you know, show whatever. up to
3: your go around. But damn, yeah, I'll show up your go around.
2: Yeah, I'll like, get you a present. But yeah, I'm not like, to like myself, I'll, I'll congratulate you on your go around, and I'll, you know, high five, whatever, you know, good for you. But uh, I'm not gonna do it myself. You know. <laughs> oh god
1: but so like, the scenario, like I totally like respect
2: Brian. your you know whatever I don't know what I'm saying <laughs> respect
3: I, I, yeah, I respect your decision I was in a slow decision. airplane <laughs> like a one you know I mean obviously not as slow as a 150 but a very maneuverable and, and slow capable airplane that I pro- like I said I probably could have even landed beyond you know my or an in intended touchdown point but i was just like i'm just gonna go around i don't care like it's it's my life <laughs> you
1: know? well i guess you what i would bring up though is you attempted to a go around and you still hit, hit a seagull though yeah yeah so even still so we i mean replay of course you don't know what you don't or you know you don't know at the time yeah but you did do a go around and you still hit a seagull if you would have continued the landing
3: I might have hit
1: 12. <laughs> Who knows? You yeah. Or you may have hit none. It, it, yeah, yeah, even still, yeah. yeah. But what? But you may have been below the one you did hit. Exactly. That's the thing you don't know, but what's the most conservative course of action? Probably still go the go-around go around go is what I would around.
3: maintain.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, because, right, I mean, how can you undermine everything that you teach your students or everything we've been taught as aviators?
3: Exactly. Go-around
1: are okay. That is kind of your – that should be kind of your first thought. If anything doesn't look right, feel right, whatever – Do a go around. If how can we not kind of do that same concept ourselves?
3: Yeah, practice what we preach.
2: If I owned a flying company, like I would encourage my pilots to do a go around if necessary, but obviously the fuel cost would come out of their pay for the extra flight time, (laughs) obviously.
3: Yeah, I'm sure they'd love working for you too. (laughs) And never try to fight you on anything. Like, I mean I
2: would I wouldn't discourage them from doing a go around, but I mean obviously (laughs) The operating cost of the airplane for that extra two minutes, yeah. obviously that's going to come out of the pay. I mean, yeah. that's understandable. Well, well, Here's
1: the thing. Think about this though. Think of what the the difference. What if that seagull or goose, whatever the case may be back to your scenario, Scott, what if that would have been on the leading edge and not the flap? Oh, you can fly with a damage. You can fly with a damage leading edge. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, the cost. Oh, the cost. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm just saying, yeah. so what is the co- The very small proportionally cost of a go-around? <laughs> what's a, what's a can of of
2: cost these days?
1: Mm. <laughs> oh, my dear God.
3: Well, yeah, in this case, too, the, the flap was <laughs> repaired and, and flyable in the next day. I mean, they, it was done overnight, no issues. But, but that's yeah. the flap, though. But I'm
1: talking about the leading edge. Exactly,
3: yeah, like Lee said with the leading totally edge. Totally different deal. Oh, yeah, or, I mean, talk about a prop strike. What if I lost... You know this significant amount of RPM to a it as a prop strike, and now we're overhauling the engine for you know ten thousand yeah. dollars or whatever it is these days. Like, you know, just insane.
1: So, so well, so let's go beyond this from a pilot. I know we're way off Class G airspace. But <laughs> we're, we're down the rabbit hole, and this all, is what all we the do.
3: Part in Class G airspace.
1: Well, there you go. There you have it. There you have it. So let's say, so you know, in terms of you know an accident incident type uh, situation, that prop strike correct me if i'm wrong ryan or anyone that does not define that is not substantial damage A prop strike oh i would if say you have is. to tear correct. down the engine yeah i do not you believe that's down. substantial damage
3: there is a dollar amount on it uh in the regs i believe but it, yeah, it's just i believe it's twenty
1: five thousand. oh yeah, really so no
3: it, it well yeah there is i, I know there's definitely and you know that's on a on an Archer, uh, you know, a one hundred and fifty. That you're I definitely mean, not going to see twenty five thousand for. a how, Yeah, for how an can overall. you? Because
2: de- my, buy a new my airplanes, my one hundred and fifty is probably not even worth twenty five thousand. So if I totaled it, <laughs> that's not yeah, even that sure Yeah, your,
1: your engine is damn close, though. That's the thing. You unbolt well, that O two hundred from your. You're probably twenty grand. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but who's going to do that? Who's going
2: to put twenty grand into a one hundred and fifty engine?
1: Not me. Anybody who needs a, anybody who needs a new O two hundred on a one fifty that's got Nah, know, I'll just payment. find some guy to overhaul it. It's the cost I'll to repair it, it. It's not gonna save you that much cost though. It
0: can cost you more yeah. to repair it than the plane is worth. It's going by repair cost still. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, for sure. If you do it, I mean if do you, you have a pulled it up, in, Rob what? Oh, I don't know. What I I thought you had you made it sound like you kinda had the oh, thing no. pulled up.
0: I was just okay. If you're
2: gonna pop your engine off and send it in to get overhauled, it, it could easily cost you more than the plane's worth. But if you find oh, like a yeah. local guy who does them, you know you can get it done for. You can probably get an O two hundred overhauled from somebody that does it on the side or something for eight to fifteen grand. You know, I would say somewhere Scott. in that range.
1: Well, yeah, that's not that much cheaper than what we were talking about, though. Really.
2: Well, and you know I that mean,
1: can snowball out of control.
2: Yeah, they uh, might quote you fifteen. I know, by I know the time people. It's all I know
1: people who will do an O two
2: hundred
0: for for ten grand. Scott, okay. you, your ears perked up when you we said, mentioned prop strike. Well, you have any uh, familiars? Except, that... I uh,
3: no. And it's okay, okay if you no. don't. <laughs> Yeah, It is 25000 by the way, Lee. I just looked it up. So Thank guys, you. Uh, and
1: that is, that is for an incident or an accident?
3: So, yeah. For, um, then, uh, this is pertaining to the immediate notification for accident versus incident. You know, what you have to report to the NTSB. This is uh, 830.5. Um, okay. You're looking at... Um,
1: for an accident, though. I want to know accident.
3: Yeah, so this would be considered an accident. Damage to property other than aircraft...
1: Other than uh, the aircraft, though, other oh, yeah. than the aircraft,
3: estimated to exceed uh, twenty five thousand dollars for repair, including materials. All right, so we're done. So we don't.
1: Yep. So we don't yeah. care anymore. So twenty five thousand, other than the aircraft. So yeah. we haven't. That hasn't happened. We hit it. We hit a goose or a seagull, whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. So we had this prop strike that happened on the on the engine. So that doesn't matter. That's not. That's not going to count. So, where's substantial damage? The definition of that. Right. You have, do you have that there? I'm, I'm
3: looking for it here.
1: Okay. So that's going to, that I'm pretty sure that is not, it's not going to be any bolt on appliance to the engine, basically. No. Or to the airframe. Substantial damage is going to be if you dent a wingtip or an, a wing, a w- leading edge, something aerodynamic, an aerodynamic surface that is, you know, and of course, in most of these airplanes, a Cessna 150 or uh, a Cherokee, those are both structural and aerodynamic. So that so is definitely going to be great. substantial damage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then you start rolling. it. so now you have to <laughs> you've you've been in an aircraft accident. Because now you have done something that fits the definition of substantial damage. Only if so you now report it. only if you report it. But <laughs> you Very said true. you're going to have somebody fill a leading edge with Bondo, which I think you have, you know, people that care you know about your well-being scott they would probably not really let somebody come out and just fill it with bondo you know what i mean and we all have that so yeah yeah so here's somebody some, go ahead what's up
3: um so this is what the far aim uh claims substantial damages is a uh, means to damage or failure which adversely affects the structural strength performance or flight yep. characteristics of the aircraft
1: those and are both leading normally- edge oriented
3: Yeah, and so which would normally require major repair, replacement of the affected component. Engine failure or damage is limited to an engine, and only if the engine fails is damage bent fairings or cowling dented. Dented skin, small punctured holes in the skin or fabric, ground damage to rotor propeller blades, and damage to landing gear wheels, tires, flaps. So even that flap one kind of could be considered, you know. No, no, no.
1: Those are not considered. Oh yeah, engine
3: accessories, brakes, or wingtips. Are not considered substantial damage yet. Yeah, so,
1: all that stuff you just said is yeah. not considered to be
2: substantial so, damage. So, so a prop wing tip, strike. If you bust your whole wingtip off, you can keep flying, you're good.
1: I'm not saying that. I'm just <laughs> saying.
3: <laughs> Don't do it, you're, but you're, by, Rob, remember when you were and flying and my writing, plane? And like,
1: yes. Rob, remember when you used to
2: fly my plane to the islands for work? Yes. And three inches of one of the wingtips just fell off one day because it was like brittle plastic. And we just like kept using the plane the rest of the summer.
1: Wow. Cut. You don't Maybe. remember that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank God there's editing for this.
3: Yeah. hope the feds are listening. <laughs> I don't... got <laughs> re- all our
0: certificates. Thanks, guys. I'm just...
3: <laughs> really happy to join the show. <laughs>
0: oh god God, how much do i have into my atp (laughs) you don't remember that i'm out of here (laughs) i'm not even saying this to avoid uh legal replications i honestly don't remember that
2: oh you remember you flew back from the island (laughs) he keeps digging (laughs) there was like three inches of the wingtip missing and you're like uh i didn't hit anything i don't know what happened i'm like well it's it was like real old before I I replaced my wingtip since then, but they were like real brittle plastic. Like they, they were all cracked already. Like they had cracks in them already. And I was like, well, probably from leaving it in the sun on the Island, it probably just cracked. Cause like brittle plastic in the sun cracks. If you don't damaging,
3: Yeah,
2: you know, know, like I had an old motorcycle that I was stored that was sitting in some guy's garage for, for 20 years. And it was like mint condition. And I took it and I rode it to work and left it in the sun all day. And like all the plastic on it just cracked up just because sun cracks plastics. And I remember you flew back from the islands and like there was like two or three inches of the, the I can't remember which wingtip it was. One of the, I was one of the right or left wingtip was missing. And like, I don't know, it probably just fell off from being in the sun all day. And we just
0: continued to fly it. I've replaced it since then. I feel but. like. I feel like that would have been enough for me to care and remember, but I' I've, I honestly don't have a recollection. It's not like I'm trying to avoid civil suits. Well,
2: that's why re- that's why Lee talked me into those horner style wingtips because I ended up replacing <laughs> which are awesome wingtips yeah, yeah, which are
1: awesome yeah but that was not th- those wingtips were hardly damaged.
3: After that story, though, I do see you know, the local Fizdo the one that has I took entered off? the chat.
1: What's that? What'd you say?
3: Right. I said after that story, I see the local Fizdo has entered our chat.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they hacked the Zoom. I call. Think I, still, oh, yeah. I think
2: I still have the wingtip. I a lot I'm of free time, my, time. I think it's right in now. my basement right now. I can't remember if I sold well, it. I, 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 I might have th- sold it. For like we need s- So something. if it's sell,
1: if it's sellable.
2: Well, somebody's Couldn't gonna that somebody that knows how to do plastic repair is gonna
0: repair the tip of it.
1: Plastic repair. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just <laughs> I remember whenever something be a little off with your plane, I remember always being like Scott, I'm not flying this thing until a mechanic looks at it. Like, well, I, I don't know was... if you
2: flew it again, but I certainly did.
0: Okay, maybe that then.
1: I, well, so I mean, here, so here's the thing. I mean, those things happen all the time. Does it maintain? Is that a strength, like a structural strength item? Like no. Ryan just read, kind of the definition of substantial damage, which is under, you know, an accident versus incident type concept in NTSB right. Part 830. But that that wingtip, that's that's not a structural component. Yeah, maybe it's a little aerodynamic, but I mean, I don't know how many. How many airplanes are out there flying with cracked up wingtips or dented wingtips or whatever? I just, I feel
0: like it couldn't, if I kept flying it, it couldn't have been that serious because I'm paranoid about that kind of stuff. It was, it was at
2: least two inches. I would say probably three inches of the wingtip was broken off. Maybe. I just, I don't know. Maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't fly it again. I don't remember. I
3: don't remember.
2: Don't you remember remember me telling you about it that I needed a new wingtip? And you talked me into buying those Horner style wingtips. Me?
1: Oh yeah, yes. yeah. I do. So it did I, happen. I remember I'm not making
2: the story up.
1: No, it did happen. I know. I remember seeing the wingtip before right. you took it off. I think but I, I still have the wingtip. I might have sold it. I, I hope that remember. you do because I want to see
2: how bad this yeah. damage is. If if I still have it, I'll take a picture of it and send. I it still
0: to you have the aluminum section of uh, Commander that I backed. Oh, I backed an back Islander, to, uh, a Brit Norman Islander no, you tail, the, you, on accident <laughs> over the wing of a Commander in the hangar when I was putting a a Brit Norman. Was wasn't it, it an, was an Archer? A, it was a Command. It I was an it was archer. A Commander.
2: No, it was uh that brown and white Archer.
0: It, it was brown and its brown and white. Yeah. Same
2: oh, similar paint. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: It, yeah, similar paint
2: job to the Commander. Ended in so Sierra Romeo. Romeo. The, the yes, t- yes.
0: the tail tie down, Romeo, it, the tail tie down of the um, Brit Norman Islander of the Islander someone yeah.
3: I smashed.
2: I was the, fo-
0: well, I was using oh, an yeah. Air Deer and I was backing That's it into yeah. the hangar.
3: Tail down. Go ahead. That's a stout uh, <laughs> Tail down. Hey, you like that? That piece can cause some damage. I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> so we
1: had
0: yeah. we had like the whole duty. hangar.
1: It doesn't even need to be there. How often does that thing get tied
2: down anyways? No. Jesus and why God. would you need to tie that thing down? I mean. If it's that in the windy, Bahamas, I was, yeah, you probably, yeah I mean,
1: think about the Bahamas, dude. Hurricane season, well, any well, of that shit. I guess.
2: But if it's hurricane season, get it out of there, you know. They won't that costs money, though, Mr. <laughs>
1: exactly. Air Taxi Operator. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, rope is cheap, yeah. gas isn't. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah. The guys in Puerto Rico aren't, yeah, they'll tie them down. That They're is, not going to go fly into the nearest true. hangar. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That, is, that is true. I didn't think about that.
3: They're not also fortunate to be. Lake Erie yeah. Island pilots,
1: like we all yeah. have been. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and that's I a mean, very robust piece of the honestly airframe. If, you, if you
2: got good tie downs, you might be safer than being in a hangar because if you got if the hangar collapses on the plane exactly you're yeah. yeah. not tied down.
3: When the roof rips off and all the other airplanes in front of yours fly onto yours, right. yeah,
1: you, yeah, you're yeah. either yeah. way. Uh, I know Leahy always told me. Um, you know, like with seaplane stuff, if there's like a really bad storm coming, the best place for that thing to be is moored, so it free, so it can free yeah. tether into the wind. Yeah, yeah. that is the That's safest possible. Yeah. It like a boat at at yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You've got to hit a it limit with sense. like wave action, though. Eventually, the waves are just.
2: Well, if you're in a bay, you don't know
0: what's going to happen. The water otherwise, you're not going to really.
3: see a lot of tornadoes. <laughs> the water spouts, I yes, mean, but. Obviously, you, you probably board, don't want
2: to moor your seaplane probably. out in open water. But if you got it moored in uh, like a bay or protected area, you know it's gonna it's Which, gonna face into the wind, and you'll probably be all right. Might take off like a kite for a little bit, but that's fine.
1: <laughs> well, no, you you um you take and you um secure the um controls so they're full forward, so it's down downforce. So it's going to weather vane on the water, and then the the controls will be full downforce, so it shouldn't ever really get airborne. It shouldn't get airborne, period, I guess.
0: It's not going to get airborne. If it's attached to an anchor, a mooring to the ground, it's not going to ever take off. I would have the control surfaces facing up so that it keeps the tips of the floats up more if it gets that windy. This is something I just... I've never even thought this through, but just off the top of my head, Riffin, that's what I would would be my gut instinct.
1: No, because... Well, this so this way I look at it, that elevator can't impose enough downward to over, probably overcome and sink the floats. Okay. If you were to get... Like, you got to specify a mile per hour value in the wind, of course. But... Each one of those floats has to support 90% of the gross weight of the airplane. I just can guarantee
0: you, it doesn't matter what the control surfaces are doing. That thing's not going to take off if it's anchored. Like, it's just... It's not. Because the... the f- Kites do it all the time, dude. I don't get it. Well, the wind is going to be pushing you back against that yep. anchorage. And...
1: Yes. So,
0: so the line will be taut. The line will there be There won't taught. be enough,
1: like... Yeah. And then yeah there won't be enough yet for you to get any rise unless you were to somehow make forward progress towards the mooring and then Which up. with
0: waves and wind and everything current going in that direction Wouldn't you it's, never you're happen. never going to have to worry about the airplane taking off in that situation which is why my inclination would be to have whatever elevator pitch the nose up if
1: you can that way I want I want somebody in Alaska to email us and let us know what, it, it, obviously there's a the seaplane expert. Yes. How do they, when there's a storm coming, there's nobody in the plane, and you're going to leave it completely untended, what is the best case scenario for weathering out a storm in a light seaplane? Cessna 180, 185, any seaplane, whatever. Any, any background cup. knowledge of this?
0: Like the Fly Tropic guys down in Lauderdale. Yeah, yes. Those guys.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and a caravan hell yeah, that w- that would be fine. I just don't I don't know how how pertinent it becomes or doesn't become like when you t- start talking about a Grumman Widgeon or a Grumman Goose. I don't know. You know, I I just feel they may do to- stuff totally different than a 185 guy. I don't know. My inclination would flying boat. My inclination would be just to throw the normal control locks in and call it a day. It was what I would do. I don't know. I don't think I'd try to Well yeah, but you don't you you don't want to unload you don't want that wing making lift. Why I guess here's my question. Okay, and I agree with you, like physics wise, you have fifty feet of rope, you're moored, you're gonna be the wind's gonna push you to the extent of that fifty foot of rope. You're there's no there's no there's no extra footage for you to actually gain any altitude with. First of
0: all, the rope is called the road. That's anchored.
1: But yeah, I, I understand your point. I have never heard that before in my life a, a true but. yachty on the chat I guess
0: <laughs> Eccle's Echol, a boater he knows I'm throwing down the uh, the road terminology
1: those nautical
3: terms I, I, I do know those yes
1: <laughs> I never learned that whatever so they don't teach you that
3: <laughs>
1: no I was never taught that and I'm surprised because Leahy boats you know I I yeah. never heard it Anyways, what? 50 feet what? is 50 feet. You're not going to gain any extra. So I get that. But why would you want the wing capable of making lift and the elevator helping that? Why would you? I mean, I guess. Why would, my f- why would you want my that? Fir-
0: well, first and foremost, if I was anchoring a seaplane, not being a seaplane pilot, I have, a, I have the rating. I went through Jack Brown's. If you're getting a seaplane rating, I recommend Jack Brown's. They're not sponsoring it. But John Brown, if you ever want to sponsor it, we'd be open to the idea. But um,
3: is it John or Jack?
0: <laughs> well, Jack Brown yeah. passed away. It's John. John <laughs> yeah, Brown. John, oh, okay, it, John. The, was the DPE, oh, is not he?
3: I guess DPE too. I was. was I I apologize. By that his
0: instructor, his instructors basically train you when you go there for a couple days, and then at the end of it, yeah, I've always heard really good things. Oh, it's awesome if you're getting a seaplane rating. Unless you got some other weird opportunity to get a seaplane rating, just go to Jack Brown's in Florida. Anyway. Um, my inclination would just be to con- throw the control lock, normal control lock in, whatever that attitude is but if oh. we're going pitch up or pitch down, I'd probably pitch up if I had to choose between the two extremes but I, I don't know I, yeah, I, don't, I don't
2: know how did we get all the way to how to moor your seatbelt <laughs> <C-point? laughs> G- you I
1: Isn't don't know but
0: awesome? I like it <laughs> aren't these
1: rival holes awesome <laughs>
0: on that note welcome to the dark yes. web
3: right. <laughs> on that note <laughs> aka the far yes. podcast
0: yeah yeah i'm so you glad
3: to all be all kinds of, stuff. of- or <laughs> you're you glad might, to
2: have you, Ryan. you might learn nothing some some episodes you might learn a lot and other episodes you might learn absolutely nothing <laughs>
0: they
1: learned a lot on this one. I feel like lot, they learned a lot on this. Oh one. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. You
1: always
0: figure learn out a lot how on to put show. like the titling and show notes to make it so people have managed expectations. Um, uh, <laughs> yes, for, is- for sure.
3: They should all know that class G is basic and easy, so it's just going to be a yeah. piss off. G I'm Sorry, is, but just, so just
2: think. It- <laughs> just think. Good to go. G. Good Good you, go. Go. Yeah. Go. Yeah. you are the Honestly, ultimate
3: 100 instructor there. Honestly, uh, do whatever
2: you want in class G. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are yeah. there are no rules in class G. Who's who's going to stop you?
3: Just you don't need safe. any of that EBS right. BS like just no. have fun. Yeah.
2: It's yeah, fun. just be safe. Be safe. You know, I'm not advocating be anybody does anything dangerous, but you know, other than that, do what you want. Anyway, right? There's
0: one more there's one my, more paragraph in this section which we're coming up there in is. An hour, so we might want to we might want to at least get this last section before, back on track before here. we continue yeah. on with our BSing. 3-3-3 IFR requirements. Title 14 CFR specifies the pilot and aircraft equipment requirements for IFR flight plan Pilots are reminded that in addition to altitude or flight level requirements, 14 CFR section 91.177 includes a requirement to remain at least 1,000 feet, uh, in parentheses, 2,000 feet in designated mountainous terrain, and parentheses, above the highest obstacle within a horizontal distance of four nautical miles from the course to be flown. Um. That's basically what it says. I just read it for you. My question is, you can you can run IFR in Class G airspace?
1: Correct.
2: I feel... Wait, so that requirement is just for IFR flights?
3: Yes. Okay, yeah, so I've done it say- in hey. Canada.
0: What about Canada?
3: Yeah. I've actually flown the, the, their version of Class G airspace, contr- like controlled basically through class year space where i pick up a clearance and i fly through their airspace on an ifr flight plan with you know actually not even being able to, to see anything and they're like just let us know when you get there you're cleared through you know basically the surface to you know 20,000 feet to such and such destination. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this is a real thing. And like, yeah, basically, Northern Ontario. We've done the flight from Detroit to Northern Ontario, and they've given us the clearance to go there to there in a Class G airspace. It's the weirdest thing I've ever done in my flying career, like as far as airspace is concerned.
0: So there, there's no
1: separation services when you're doing this. But, well, yeah, but hold on. How do they give you? You don't even need an IFR clearance to fly in Class G,
3: right? You're, you're correct. Um, basically, but we're still like in their G considered airspace, but they're like any other IFR clearances are going to be outside of our block altitudes or around our route. Basically, it was it's bizarre, and I I still think about it now. I'm like, how how did that work? Like that, it doesn't make sense to me. Other than the I don't fact know that, if that's
1: the same as it would be in Class G, though. In the U.S.,
3: you're right. Yeah, so I mean, this is international, so it, it is going to obviously have some differences. But it, it's our neighbors to the north, which you know, Canadian class, their airspaces are very similar to ours. But
2: doesn't really matter I, I anymore. Know. You're not even allowed to go to Canada now.
3: <laughs> True. Right now, it's a, it's a little tough.
1: Fly <laughs> real to low. Know. Fly yeah, real yeah, low. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yep. Fly Rob's favorite airspace. Uh you know, five hundred feet AGL at all times.
2: If I paint my one fifty flat black so that it looks like the stealth planes, that's basically what they do, no. right? Yeah. Could I get in?
3: Yeah, you just think you're doing Google Earth pictures.
1: All <laughs> right. Look at Vanta Black. Do you guys have you guys ever heard of Vanta Black? No. Look look it up. Look it up like tonight, whatever. Look up Vanta Black. But anyways. Plenty yeah. of free no, I mean you can yeah, I'm sure there's always ways around it. I'm sure some I'm sure people are doing stuff now. But Scott, you've
0: you've assessed think about the people that are ice I was ahead. gonna tell just tell Scott, he, he has a one fifty. That's like twenty percent of um Canada's Air Force, I believe. Like he just painted the Air Force <laughs> colors and, I, gonna,
2: you know, I could probably outmaneuver most of their aircraft.
1: Get away. No, that's twenty percent in twenty nineteen, is twenty two percent in twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're just joking. I see on the analytics we got Canadian listening to this. Oh, friendly banter,
1: and we love you. We love Canada very much. So, Canada, absolutely. Great. Yes.
0: But, any country I mean, that any Canada's country that has than. an
1: island. Put it put it
2: this way: Canada's better than Europe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> First, sure. we hardly have any. We hardly have any For listeners sure. in Europe, according to the analytics. So you can you can talk whatever you want of that. Yeah. But a- I mean, any country that's got a got a Lake Erie Island is, is good with me.
2: Like obviously yeah. America is the best. But like <laughs> if you're going international, like I mean Canada's way better than Europe.
0: So,
1: so oh not even the same yeah, conversation. Yeah, so yeah. back
0: to IFR in the US in Class G airspace. How does how does that work?
3: I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't think I've ever done it. Let me look over this again.
1: I've never done it. From my understanding, it is see you're still responsible for seeing a void, just like you are in Class E. Right? There's there's no IFR clearance requirement because it's not controlled airspace. You're not asking for permission to enter anybody's jurisdiction. It's pretty much a free for all, and that's why there's the hemispherical rules, of course. Um, you know, for your the same, you know, the direction of flight for the altitudes. So you you know going west. Odds and evens, basically. Um, So if you're IFR, it's going to be 4,000, 6,000, 8,000, or 5,000, 3,000, 7,000, whatever. And hope you don't hit anyone. But think of the areas where this would actually really, from a conservative pilot standpoint, where would this apply? In a very, very small area. You're not doing you're, you, you you can't. There's terrain that where this would actually apply and be semi feasible. The aircraft that would do it, the terrain that would allow it just doesn't really work out. It may happen for, you know, maybe a, a very short flight, a very small portion of a flight, right? But it's it's gonna be it's gonna be VFR scud running and stuff like that. And these Alaska guys, these guys up in the Yukon, they're gonna be the experts on this. And and I would like to hear from them and see what they do, how they operate with these types of you know, regulations and the latitude they're given in these regulations. Because us in the lower forty eight, we don't see any of this.
3: Oh, this is definitely a western thing.
0: With that being said, we are available for email. Um I know we drop this like every episode. Um Somebody please email us. I'm paying. I'm paying for a Swiss email server, and literally no one has emailed us. And we're on episode 18. The Far Aim Podcast just became an adult. We went through our entire adolescence without one email. Um, and we do see on that means we're doing it right, though. Man. Right? I don't know. And
2: <laughs> I mean, even it. Even if you want to talk crap on us and tell us how
0: stupid we are. Well, yeah, that's Scott's email. I mean, all complaints, obviously, hate mail, everything goes to Obviously,
2: Scott. not not me. I mean, obviously, you're not going to have any complaints about me. But if you have complaints about the other hosts <laughs> of the show, you know, you feel free Before to tell them how stupid they are. They are. Like, obviously, I know that I'm always right. But if you want to correct them, guys, feel free to do it. You know, there's no problem with that.
0: Yeah, Scott's email is the official complaint, hate mail, email of the Far Aim, too
2: so right well if you want to complain about the other guys <laughs> message me and I'll have, I'll have a talk with them I'll straighten them out you know
0: but if you don't if you don't consider um, n- you exclude the yacht crews, which we love you guys you're like 10% of our audience right now great um, excluding those Anchorage Alaska is our number one city in the world we just found out this week so shout out if you're which is
1: awesome yeah which is awesome if
0: we're gonna have a number one wow. town in the world listening to us. Anchorage, Alaska is pretty cool. A lot of cool pilots up there. Shout out to you guys, uh, Anchorage, Alaska listeners. Um, yeah, I guess none of us really know about IFR in Class G airspace. That's a whole and if, thing.
1: And, Yeah, and if somebody does, I want to know. I would like to be educated as, if, as aviators. I think that we all, all should want to be educated and always keep how, learning. How often would you but, be flying
2: IFR in Class G? We don't live in an area where it's pertinent, for us, so it, never, we would never yeah. do it.
1: <laughs> never, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, think so, I mean, yeah, you'll hit something. Yeah, because remember that's only below seven hundred feet AGL for the most part.
3: Yeah, yeah. look nuts. at our sectionals. I mean, it's
2: well, it, and when you when you're near an airport, it goes class E goes to the ground. No, goes it goes down
1: to seven hundred. No, seven hundred. Oh, certain, certain
3: airports will go to the surface.
2: Certain.
1: There's only yeah. three in Ohio, though. I if think. You go to
3: like Finley, Ohio. It's because it used to be a busy airport in like the '60s, so it's still classy at the surface. Yeah. But yeah, there's like six operations out of there a day now, so I it's it's it, weird, but it's still classy at the surface if you look at it.
2: That's a pretty that's a pretty big airport. I mean, not
3: yeah, nine thousand like, runways,
2: mm-hmm. runways are big. True, it is a big I've airport. Flown in there yes. A
3: big don't they still have? But, uh, there's they still have some on.
2: commercial stuff out of there, don't they? Or no?
1: no Marathon no, is based. I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, Marathon says yeah. their flight
3: department there. Just
1: yeah. yeah, they don't even have ILS or anything. No. Really? No. It's very odd. I can only think of one of the satellites of Columbus, Akron, uh, Fulton, and Finley are the only three I can think of. I
0: swear, yeah.
2: like three years ago, I was messing around just looking for flights to Florida and I tracked Toledo and stuff. And I, I just did like a radius search, like airports within a hundred miles of me. Yeah. And Finley, there was actually, there was somebody that was offering flights out of Finley to Florida. I can't remember <laughs> the name of it. The...
3: It was a scam.
1: Really? The only thing. Yeah. Yeah. Scam. That's probably a good realistic, uh, uh, Rationale there.
2: It was it was an airline. I, it could have been a scam because it was an airline I've never heard of. I don't. That's why I don't remember the name of it. But it was like okay, such and such, whatever you know, flights. Nigerian Prince Airlines. It was, airlines. <laughs> it, was it, it was it was expensive too. So I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. But it was a flight. Yeah. It was literally a flight. It was I was like on Expedia or something or uh, whatever. One of those travel sites. Right. And there was a there was a flight option from Finley to Florida. Wow, the de- there was very limited dates. You know, like the return flight was like the only option was like a week later. Oh something. wow,
1: it's the exact day I wanted, the exact time yeah. I wanted. That's weird. How <laughs> yeah. yeah. <I'm> convenient.
0: My <laughs> advice: before booking Finley, Ohio to Florida flights, you should probably have your identity theft insurance uh, up to yeah, up to paid up so
2: I, I'm i just saying I, I was surprised to see it but it was on there it, I'm not making this up like it was it was there it was real I, I mean it wasn't oh, I it probably wasn't you. real.
1: But so I mean I would sum it up I mean like can I give you the, the cliff notes real quick yeah yeah my rundown so I would just say you know for for class G it's the airspace you're flying in now don't treat it any differently Class E. Yeah, there's a boundary there on the paper, but as long as the weather's really good, VFR, you're going to do a, a lesson that day or you're going to go do a normal flight that day. You don't see anything like out the window. It's the same. Treat it the same. It is the same. Um, You start getting new to weird areas of the country where I'm getting a little buzz now, if you can't tell. Um, if... <laughs> if you get into weird areas of the country, out west, Alaska, whatever, maybe Idaho, um, Pacific Northwest. You might start seeing like these these um, areas where you start getting to the ambiguity, not ambiguity. But kind of the far reaches of the uh cloud clearance and visibility requirements where they start to matter a little bit more. You're above twelve hundred feet AGL, but you're less than ten thousand feet MSL, the rules start to change. You go above ten thousand MSL, the rules change a little bit more. So if if that's an area that pertains to you, you need to get a little bit more educated on it. It's all in the it's all in the far aim, no big deal. But for most people in the country, a mile clear clouds, like Ryan said, that's gonna cover your needs. You know, if you're sitting down in front of a uh, designated examiner for a check ride, a mile clear clouds. Um, but if there's something else that pertains to you, your instructor is hopefully going to point that out to you. Uh, you know, if you're up in Alaska, there's a lot of different rules that's going to apply to you. So do your due diligence, dig into the far aim, ask questions of your instructor, make sure you're getting good, you know, input from them. Um, and we want to hear good input, input. If we're saying something wrong or misleading. We want to hear about it. We want, you know, interaction with um, the listeners. Um, But I would say exercise good judgment. Do go-arounds. If you think that you think you might need it, do the go-around. It's good practice. You know, Ryan and I, we spend, you know, however many hours in the simulator doing a go-around. That's something we have to do. And there's a, a fair amount to it. In a light aircraft, not much to it. But it's there is some skill involved in maximizing that energy transfer. Get it all happening. Get it pointed up. Don't hit that goose. Don't hit that seagull. Don't hit the ground. Don't hit whatever you're trying to get away what's, from.
2: What's the um, uh, proper go around procedure?
1: Well, I mean, first thing, obviously, is power. And then, obviously, reduce power. your flap setting. It's yeah, that's the, the first thing.
3: Like
1: yeah, power, flaps, pitch, whatever. Power, it pitch, flaps, however you want to do yeah. it. Yeah. It should be.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, manual. obviously. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the
1: Hawker, you know, but like my things go around, set thrust, flaps eight. That's the first things, like that's that's it. That's just in my head. Yeah. Go around, set thrust, flaps eight. So in like transport category airplanes, if you have a go around button and you're using, you know, more a little bit more automation, you have a glass. You have glass a go button. Oh yes. Yeah, it, all it does is sync your flight director and sequences your oh, no, your yeah, your yeah. missed approach procedure.
3: And also, uh, depending on your aircraft, always refer to your manual. I mean, the thing I always say, you know, I'm teaching spins to students. I'm like, how do you recover from a spin? And they always go with the, oh, the pair method or this method or that method. I'm like, what's the best method to go with? And they're like, uh, Your manual. Your manual will always tell you. Even I've seen it dated back as far as airplanes from the 50s will have spin recovery, and that's always going to be your best method. Yeah.
2: No so that, i mean that's true a, i mean if you're
1: going into a controlled field and you have to do a go around hold, hold on i'm with you hold on let's go back to ryan's thing okay. i would say i agree with you 100 do what the manufacturer says mm-hmm. but that it that is a little bit of a cop-out do we agree I, a little bit absolutely yeah i'll give you that too yes yeah uh, I but think, i agree with you not- i agree with you and i agree with you agreeing with me but i mean they just need to know. They they just need to know kind of the basics of what they're trying to do. Right. And yes. If you're flying an airplane, know what your manufacturer says. I 100% agree with you. Couldn't have said it better.
0: What's got a question? Yeah.
1: So, if you're going
2: into a controlled field,
3: mm-hmm.
2: when do you contact the tower and let them know that you're going around? The moment.
3: You could tell them as soon as... Whenever, whenever you want, basically at that point, like so, you know, we're doing callouts as we're going down to our approaches, right? So we're calling out a thousand feet above our minimums, five hundred, you know, 4, 3, 2, 100. two, one hundred. We're calling missed, and then you know, we're we're flying two two pilot aircrafts at this point. So basically, as soon as we go missed, and you know, one of us calls missed. So like, if I say we're a hundred feet, you know, fields not in sight. They don't see the field in sight, you know. We're calling mist at that point. We'll climb out, we'll do the go-around procedure. We can call a mist at any point, and we can call the go-around at any point. Uh, and then they'll they'll tell us what to do at that point. But we're gonna fly the published mist based on you know what the approach plate is telling us. And they'll anticipate that or tell us otherwise.
1: So I mean, Scott, so I mean, are you you're looking a little more on the VFR side? Right. I assume. Yeah. yeah. Same thing applies what Ryan just said. Whenever yeah. you want. Emergency so aircraft effectively. Exactly, obviously yeah. so take, if would you're you're at, you agree, you're
3: Ryan? At a, you're down in Mansfield, you're at a controlled field, but you're VFR. And that same seagull situation, which happened to me last year, happens to you there. Yeah, you can call it at any point. They're going to they'll so make the decisions take, based on your call.
2: Take care of what you need to take care of in the airport. Oh, yeah. Wait, you know, go, go
3: back to Rule one: Fly the airplane, and then
2: you yeah. know, communicate. Like Obviously, once schools. you once you're stabilized in a a yeah. climb out, then uh,
1: let them know what's going on. Absolutely, yeah. Which and Ryan Ryan will agree with me here. You know, in a in airplane those airplanes that we're flying, sometimes you forget to call. You forget to declare an emergency. For you sure. forget there's to call so a go around. That's out. the first yes. thing. the The instructor sitting behind you in the sim be like, "Did you ever declare an emergency? Oh no. Nope. Hey, will you de- you you say the kind of, hey, can you declare an emergency for it? It's just it's it's constant, you know. Exactly, so it yeah. happens in the sims. It happens with professionals. It just happens. So I mean, I wouldn't say there's a right or wrong, but they're you know again, they're looking out the out the window with you and. It's not that critical. When you're talking to tower handle aviate, navigate, communicate. And that applies in this situation too. Yeah. You might be able to, you might be causing problems for them down the line, but you are theoretically, you've done a go around. So there's a reason you did the go around. Don't downplay that. Don't ever be afraid to, uh, to, to do the go around and then sort everything out, like Scott said, and then call them. That, that that that's what I got. I guess. I mean, yeah, same thing Ryan said. Yeah.
0: You had, you had just mentioned I was which I was going to add, but you you nailed it. Uh, aviate, navigate, communicate is the the kind of the master checklist of being a pilot. Um, that everything kind of boils down to. That's the priority. Um, you need to aviate, which is control the airplane. Um, navigate. Make sure you know not chart plod- plotting necessarily, but make sure you're not going to hit anything, um, make sure you're going where you're need where you can be going. And then third is communicate. Communicates after you have those those first two things uh taken care of. And then aviate is before even navigating because that's push comes to shove, that's more important, correct?
3: For sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I had a uh you know we were going into um DCA. I had an, a new FO. I mean we were basically we were kind of a middle of the road um, for captains and very junior FOs uh, for the airline I was flying with. And, you know, we were coming in, we we're doing this um, Mount Vernon visual. So it's landing north in DCA, and we were circling to the land runway 33. And um, it's busy, and we're doing all these things. And so we get down to like 500 feet or whatever, and this thing, it dings at us like we were too low. So it says, too low, flaps. I'm like, Man, this dude. Um, and so I'm like, oh, flaps 40. And so um, we put the flaps in and everything completely uneventful, no issues. And it's like, so we get on the ground, we're debriefing. I'm like, just remember, dude, you know, like avian navigate communicate. You set the priority of communicating back to ATC, you know, what was important. I had called for flaps 40. And he never did it and and at that point we we didn't respond so different, every operator is different blah 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 so he he there was no response called when you call for flaps 40 the only result is that he does it there's no flaps 40 selected flaps 40 indicating all this crazy stuff ryan you probably know kind of what i'm talking about right yeah, yeah. and there was there was none gotta, of that it was silent it yeah. yeah it was all silent and which I agree with. And that's why you back it up with the before landing checklist. Yeah. From the time we were doing it between, you know, the way that we were getting established, um, he kind of just went through the checklist by memory. Cause there's only three things on it. So it's like thruster versus arms, thruster versus armed, flesh, whatever, flesh, full, whatever. And before landing checklist complete, there was only three items on, it. I don't even remember what they are at this point, yeah. but
3: you he just back went up. through
1: them real quick, wrote right. memory and hadn't ever selected them because he was responding to an ATC call. And so I, we just got on the ground. No big deal. You just you, you handle it. You land safely. You do the thing. You get to the gate debrief and think about, you know, kind of what you did wrong or could have done better or whatever. And every pilot should have those moments. What could I have done better on that flight? What did I do wrong? And I just, I just told him, Hey man, just remember the aviate navigate communicate, you know, you put communicate above the aviate and I need, although yes, I was pilot flying on this leg. It's a multi-crew aircraft. I need your help to select those flaps. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, so I mean, that's, I guess brings maybe a little pertinence to the, to the conversation.
3: I've I've been very guilty of that too. Like just following a checklist to be like, Oh, and then, you, as soon as you hear a TC come across the board, you're like, "Yeah, I want to talk to him." Like, that's that's of my course. job. Yep. That's what I do in the right seat. That's yep. that's what I have it's to be do.
1: Into us, it's
3: beat yeah. into us from the beginning. So, like, you're skipping things that are on the checklist that are far more important than just being like, "Yeah, we're at a you know 10,000 feet and climbing up." Like, no, fly the airplane. I mean, that's, oh, that's for sure. Do, do
2: your checklist and then talk to ACC. Exactly. Yes.
1: But it, it yeah, that sounds super easy. But too, does, you know, yeah. like there's some like flight instructors that are almost like scared of flying, or there Honestly, are some pilots the, fly with. The, the yes, best
2: the best thing you can do is probably just pretend that your radio is not working.
3: <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. If,
2: no, if, like if you have to file the, an incident what's the report or whatever, squat code? I, just. <laughs> Just saying it was a loose wire, but yeah, you're your 7,600. the oh, it, squawk 7,600
3: and have at
0: her, boys. Right, what's 1,200? Yeah, what's what
1: I squawk
3: 7,600. 7,600.
0: That's that's Scott's move. If to ask him something, he doesn't know. Yeah. He's really just like, alright, 7,600. Just pretend like I don't hear him anymore. <laughs> yep.
2: Here's just, here's yep. Uh, sorry, sorry, I didn't hear you. What?
0: <laughs> I'm going to land. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Um, Email is our preferred method of communication. As we mentioned earlier in the episode, my email is faraim at robertberger.com, B-E-R-G-E-R. The German way, not the sandwich way. Lee Griffin is faraim at leegriffing.com, G-R-I-F-F-I-N-G scott is f-a-r-a-i-m at scottborris.com b-o-r-e-s and flight legend ryan eckle has an instagram he wants you to follow it's at eckle r e-c-k-e-l-r on instagram you can uh, follow him on there and harass him and ask him why he would agree to come on such a program with these three guys um show notes show notes I uh, if I think of something I'll put them in there uh, Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using rate and review we do appreciate those and um, that's it uh, we wrap this thing up Put uh, number 18 in the books uh, thank you for listening take care thanks guys see ya
3: thank you guys
2: Where's everybody going?
3: <laughs> so everybody just disappeared. It's just Scott and I at this point.
2: Oh yeah, I guess uh, I guess everybody's just ditched the show. I don't. Maybe I. Maybe we said something to offend them. I don't know. I, I don't think so. Mean. It's um,
3: Scott. It's the Scott and Ryan hour at this point. So yeah, this, just this is the uh, best part of the, the show. Uh,
2: <laughs> Scott Boris Ryan Eccles show. We talk about <laughs> flying and stuff uh brian here is the uh the expert and i'm the novice and i ask questions you know and he answers them uh,
3: far from an expert
2: <laughs> yeah i can't think of any questions to ask right now but you know oh yeah no, oh yeah we got we got somebody back you
3: guys to, to email and ask questions did you, did you guys keep the show going we, we did. did we, we tried did. our we best did.
2: <laughs> yeah we we actually changed the name of the show to the, uh, it was the Scott God and Ryan Gors show. Ryan
3: show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay.
3: So if, to, if people want more out. of that, let us know. So so I'll find
0: that you out in edit.
2: So if you don't like that substance that we gave while you were gone, you're going to have to edit that out, but it's in there.
0: <laughs> okay. And if you so.
3: decide not to edit it out and the viewers are loving the Scott and Ryan show, you know, come skip our second the Scott Podcast. Ryan, show, the Scott was, Ryan uh, show
2: was pretty impressive. So actually, I think it was better than the the rest of the show. Lee,
0: apparently, you and I went to <laughs> break and we missed the we Ryan fired Scott guys, show. Actually, they, the re- Scott re- show. they rebranded the show while <laughs> we we're gone.
2: We actually, oh. we actually fired, we actually fired the two of you. So, oh. okay. Like so. you guys can stay on and listen if you want, but if you could, if you could not talk for the rest of the show, that be that'd be great. <laughs> You're not. actually, you know, I was you're not a, actually part of. It. I was
3: a guest when we started the show, and now I am actually a moderator. Yeah, now he's, and a now he's a co-owner of the show. Of the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm happy yeah. to be VP of the new show, Scott Boris, yeah. Ryan Echo podcast. So, it's great. I mean, I never thought this so would guys, take you there.
2: <laughs> you guys can leave your earbuds in and listen, but if you could, if you could not
1: talk,
0: that'd be that'd be great.
1: All right, so. <laughs> So where we leave off, we I felt la- like we I felt like off. it was something actually important. I
0: can cut in with a good question, Lee. We had mentioned last, not the last episode. I forget what the episode number. You, it, the little subtitle is: "Is your boss getting you high?" That's what I remember about what I wrote in the show notes. Oh, yeah. You said the wow. you wow. said that the Lear Forty exhaust. We have the same boss, so I want to know exhaust.
1: Yeah. And we don't know who that boss is, though and let's keep it that way exhaust
0: vents out front so the pressurization causes all the air in the plane to go forward most airliners it causes the air to go back so if you're flying in this new we'll call it covid19 which is the official name uh are you best off sitting as far forward in the plane as possible
1: i think it's I think it's actually called the, the China virus. I agree. <laughs> I, I believe China the Chinese virus, the China
2: yeah, I think virus. It, I think if you want to get technical, you can call it COVID nineteen. I think that's slang.
1: I think that's slang. I've heard virus. it. I've heard it's it correct. anyway. It's it's really it's really a shortening, a shortening of the name. COVID yeah. is really a shortening yeah. of the name. Yeah. I've
0: heard it called
1: so. the
2: Kong
0: flu. Um,
2: yes, you can also call it the Kung Flu. That is scientifically correct. We do, or the China virus, or the Wuhan Wuhan flu, Wuhan,
0: yeah. Cough. Yeah, but you, so the Wuhan yeah. cough. The Wuhan cough. The Wuhan cough. cough. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So speaking, yes. it's, it's, so it's speaking of our analytics, uh, our second most uh, largest listener base is China. So, for all of our Chinese <laughs> listeners, we apologize. This may be the last one you hear for your
1: leadership. Uh, Xi... yes. we, apologize we apologize for your
2: leadership. That your government released this on the world.
0: Xi Jinping <laughs> may ban the foreign from being in China. Um, may yeah. we? They're not. You can probably
2: edit my last comment <laughs> out because I don't really want to be a target of the the
0: uh, CCP. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> yes, there.
3: It should make flights
0: going
1: into Vero Beach a lot easier if there's less students from there. That's true. Vero is yeah. v- anywhere <laughs> in Florida. Flying into Florida yeah. at all, you cross anywhere the border Florida, Florida, yes. from Georgia to Florida should be easier. Vero Beach. Right now that's, the easy. that's the headquarters.
0: That's the headquarters for a school, the big school I interviewed for. Right? No, Daytona. School, the whole area. Vero. No, I'm is. talking Vero Beach. I interviewed Are
1: Daytona is Embry Riddle. No, I'm not. Yeah. Embry right Riddle. But no, there's
0: some there's big
3: a school... lot of international training in Vero beach. Yes.
0: I... There's
1: some big school I interviewed for a
0: CFI position and Oh, Scott would, Scott would have been proud to be in this interview. The full day interview, um, flight safety, flight safety is out of Vero beach. Oh, that oh, would be good. Shit. So when I was on my job hunt, uh cuz Tropic Ocean Airways never hired me even though I met half their company um wow no i say yeah, i spent like half a year of my life it be, be a fun company too
1: fly tropic <laughs> tropic
0: ocean yeah you're familiar with you
1: not fun right now well no not, I, yeah, yeah, uh, not, you're not right, right now doing of no, right now
0: yeah. obviously yeah 2020 hindsight i'm glad i'm in yachting now um but anyway i lost my train of thought
1: we I just want to ask though, Ryan and I are professional aviators. Our paychecks are coming through just fine.
3: Yes, <laughs> and I see Lee's got a full beard going on at this point. So I know he has.
1: <laughs> I'm on paternity leave, dude. I'm on oh, paternity right. leave, so.
3: Congrats again.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, thank you. Honestly,
2: my life hasn't changed at all, so a, I wouldn't even know a this lot of people have, if I, I mean, a lot of people haven't. Yeah, a yeah. lot of people haven't, but
3: a lot of people have, and you just gotta. Put yourself to
2: you know. Oh yeah, no, I understand. Like
3: a lot of people, situation, unfortunately.
2: But, but I I work next to my house, so I just walk to work. and... Whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, you've, you've
3: been socially distancing for the last the,
2: ten years. The, the stuff we sell forever. We sell <laughs> basically stuff that's marketed to hillbillies, and when hillbillies get a twelve hundred dollar check, they oh, you, buy. There's a gold. The <laughs> we had we had. Our highest one-day sale ever in the history of the company, really on the fourteenth, wow of April, wow, yeah. congratulations! Yeah.
0: That makes sense. That checks our sales,
2: out. Yeah. Our sales for this month are higher than they've ever been.
3: Again, if tea, if tattoo shops are open right now, I bet they'd same thing. Oh yeah,
2: I mean, yeah. It'd, be, yeah. it'd be insane. Yeah, just- Hillbillies, hillbillies, and in whatever, getting this this stimulus checks, they're spending it. They're not, they're not saving. And don't money. get me wrong, I
3: love tattoos. No. I have several, but I'm also like, I I, I think about what I want to get. But a lot of these people are like, yeah, oh, yeah, raise hell, raise hell, us go. They're
2: gonna get a tattoo, or they're gonna buy a motorcycle part. You know, like, well, and yeah. with motorcycle parts, like all these people are, they're stuck at home. So they go out in their garage and they fix their bike up. You know They don't have anything else to do. And people that, people that buy motorcycle parts, most of them are alcoholics, but they can't go to the bar because all the bars are closed. So what are they going to spend their money on? This is very exactly. off topic. You
1: can Bi- edit all this out. Business
0: right now, is know? booming. Oh, he
1: is. He's already thinking. He's like, where can I cut this off? I think I'm going to run yeah. the
0: outro and then just have this as like filler. If anyone who's <laughs> last 22nd. Uh, outro
3: back to aviation, but, I will say,
2: but that anyway, I, heard- I wanted to be on record apologizing to the Chinese Communist Party, and I would just like to say that everything i said everything I said was somebody else forcing me to say it, and i didn't actually mean <laughs> any of that, and I hope that someday all. Of the United States manufacturing will be moved to China, where it is yeah. safe and secure. Oh my God! And okay, you so want to go? On, so now we can you, move on with the show.
0: You want to go on the record? Xi Jinping is a good guy too, right?
2: Yes. Oh, Xi Jinping is. If I could be friends with our president,
0: Xi yeah. Jinping, please don't ban the far aim from China. We have reached there.
2: I, Xi Jinping, I hope you accomplish your goal of world domination soon not that that's your goal but if it is your goal I hope you can accomplish it yes
1: accomplish your goal I'm not saying that that's what you're trying
2: to do I'm not saying that you're totally trying to take over the world like because I know you're not but if you are I'm cool with that
0: yes (laughs) don't ban the foreign podcast from Chinese borders.
2: we we're basically like Bloomberg and we will block any negative stories about China for monetary gain.
0: I may sober up in the morning and edit this out. But right now I'm going to go with the assumption I'm going to leave no. it in cuz it'd be entertaining. So
2: if we can, if we can if we can obtain monetary gain by kissing your ass, like just let us know.
0: We can be Nike.
2: Yeah, we yes. can be Nike. Or Disney. And like we could basically rent slaves off of you. For big money. That'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. By slaves, well, we then, I mean, mean not a...
0: listeners of the far podcast.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. But, like, they're not slaves because they definitely work for the wage that they agree they to earn? work freely for yeah, the yeah, Chinese yeah. Communist Party. As the the Chinese thing Communist has
0: 100%, Party 100%. I believe he has, like, almost 100% approval rating in China. Oh, of which course is he good. does. Yeah. Is it, I like, 101.5?
2: It's it's over a hundred percent. Yeah. It's
0: like one on one point five, even, I think. Yeah. I agree yeah. with I agree with Ryan. How do we get this back on track to flying?
3: <laughs> Easy.